I'm Jessica Clemens, and this is Splash Page on the Ringerverse. We're breaking down Loki Season 2, Episode 6, giving you Easter eggs, theories, and more on our favorite god of mischief. Let's get into it. At Walt Disney World Resort, magic is found in spontaneity. The unplanned, the unexpected. An inside joke born in the Haunted Mansion queue. A surprise stitch sighting in Tomorrowland. Watching fireworks from your room. These memories aren't made from predetermined plans, but manifested from simply being. Present and together in the most magical place. Find your moment at Walt Disney World Resort. You are now watching Splash Page. This is your one warning that we will be spoiling Loki Season 2, Episode 6, the finale. We'll be spoiling every episode of Season 2, the first season of Loki, and basically any of Loki's appearances across the MCU. You've been warned. Because I'm going to get into this. Okay. I love this finale. This finale is titled Glorious Purpose, which is genuinely a beautiful title to the conclusion of Loki, the God of Mischief, and the introduction to Loki, the God of Stories. And I love, love Love this finale more than anything in my life. It opens with different Loki clips. The first is Loki from the first Avengers movie, then Loki in season one, episode one, and a series of different flashbacks from this season and the first one. Also, I don't remember he who remains saying reincarnation, baby. Reincarnation, baby. I knew this finale would be tremendous, but starting the episode with the Marvel Studios logo like nothing new, then playing the intro music in the Marvel logo in reverse... That's just brilliant. It reinforces that Loki, now with the control over the time slipping, will jump back and forth through time. We pick up right where we left off in episode five. We know Loki has time slipped into this position, but we're about to watch Timely die again, just like he did at the end of episode four, season two. During the last breakdown, I predicted maybe Obi had a better suit for the radiation, but they simply just took too long. So they need to speed up the process over and over and over again while getting down to Walter Murphy's A Fifth of Beethoven. And it's funky as hell. I need this soundtrack. Loki goes back to when Miss Minutes and Ravona interrogated Victor Timely. Loki even sympathized with her heartbreak before ripping Timely away. Each time, over and over again, they fail. It also feels like the same sequence in the first Doctor Strange movie where Dormammu kills Steven repeatedly. This time, it's just Victor dies. Loki recognizes he isn't going far back enough, so he jumps to the point where Obi and Victor meet for the first time. We even get Timely's little squeak he did at their first encounter. Loki and his rush to save all the branches reveals Obi's loom and quickly explains the plan, even pulling Timely's multiplier out of his bag and answering everyone's silly questions they had the first time around. Also, I forgot that Timely thinks Loki is a wizard and refers to him as such throughout this episode. Wizard? Wizard. This. You're a wizard, Harry. Obi tells Loki it'll take time, something he doesn't have, to adapt the multiplier to the loom. To speed up that process, seeing as Loki can now jump time and use his own learnings, he spends a few centuries learning physics to return with a plan that works. During Loki explaining the plans, he tells Timely precisely what not to do. He tells him to adjust the faceplate so his skin won't peel off, the trip hazard at the first step, and do not set the multiplier down or it will roll off the gangway. These warnings happen in one of the many failed attempts that we saw earlier. When it feels like all went according to plan, it's revealed that it didn't actually work. The loom is overloaded. Victor deduces that the branches are expanding at an infinite rate, and since you can't scale for infinite, the loom breaking was unavoidable. The loom will always fail. As soon as the timeline started branching, it was bound to happen. As everyone prepares for the spaghettification, Loki dips to the point in time I theorized in my last breakdown. Will Loki go back further into the past to cut the chase between Sylvie, Ravona, and Miss Minutes during the World's Fair, or will he return as far back as he who remains at the finale to stop Sylvie? 
It all comes back to Sylvie killing He Who Remains. Loki time slips to season one, episode six, and tries to tell Sylvie about the death that awaits all the branches in the future. And of course, Loki can't stop her. He fights her again and again and again and can't kill her before she kills He Who Remains. In the most badass moment, though, He Who Remains finally stops time and confronts Loki about literally everything. This scene hits even harder after hearing every final blow Sylvie makes, and he says, see you soon. We thought that was a warning about his variants, but it could also be a shout out to Loki's time slipping and seeing him again and again and again and again. And like I've been saying, I I think we all called it, but I also have been saying it. He Who Remains has been paving the way the entire time. He paved the way for the time slipping. All of this was in his plan, even Sylvie killing him. So He Who Remains tells Loki the temporal loom is a failsafe. When the loom is overloaded with branches, it deletes the ones that aren't supposed to be there. Everything except the sacred timeline. So when it destroys everything, including the TVA, he who remains will simply rebuild it through reincarnation because he's still on the sacred timeline and it's not hard to restart it all, I guess. So according to that new divine timeline, when the Kangs realized there were other worlds, they started the multiversal war. He who remains with Renslayer won and created the TVA. He then had them prune variants and their timelines to prevent fracturing the multiverse, allowing Kangs to find them. He also built the loom that's only built to protect the sacred timeline and nothing else. If it hit capacity, it would overload and destroy everything to prevent the other kings from showing up. While that was happening, He Who Remains kept his little reincarnation loop ready for when shit really hit the fan. Essentially, that's the new timeline. So He Who Remains tells Loki he can break the loom and lose everything or kill Sylvie and return to a way it sort of was. Loki time slips to the moment in season one, episode one, where he's interrogated by Mobius, a very trustworthy, more unbiased Mobius. So Loki asks him this. How do you choose who lives and who dies? This right here is a beautiful and emotional scene where Mobius discusses the Black Sea deaths that killed 5,000 people and the variant was a young boy. Turns out the story was between Mobius and Renslayer and how Mobius couldn't prune a boy who got a lot of people killed. Mobius says this. Most purpose is more burden than glory. Living with that burden is like scar tissue, but you can be Mobius in that moment and live with that burden or be like Renslayer and know what has to be done. In a kind of beautiful way, Loki finds value in both their outcomes. Loki time slips to the moment at A.D. Doug's lab from the last episode and pulls Sylvia and himself outside of time for a quick chat. He confronts Sylvia about having to kill her to solve all the problems, and rightfully, she says that's a decision he'll have to make. She won't stop killing he who remains to give everyone the freedom to choose their own fates. She tells him this. I grew up in apocalypses, Loki. I've lived through enough of them to know that sometimes it's okay to destroy something. With that, Loki time slips to the loom room and does the unthinkable. As he looks at his friends, he leaves saying this. I know what I want. I know what kind of god I need to be. For you. For all of us. He steps onto the gangway, his suit disappears with the radiation, and we see Loki in his horns. Though we haven't seen the suit before, and commonly Loki is in TVA garb or a suit now, so this is just out of the ordinary. This is all out of the ordinary. He then blows up the loom and all the branches whip through space, dying and fading with no loom to keep them alive. 
Or so we think, because Loki begins grabbing every branch and using his enchantment, bringing them back to life. Recognizing his power can do this, he starts walking and grabbing the branches, bringing them all back to life. He opens a crack to the end of time where he who remains lives, and with his final steps, he enters a portal with the loose branches. The god of mischief has finally taken the position of he who remains, but with great and honorable intentions. He's reaching his glorious purpose on his own throne as a king. He becomes the new temporal loom. He's destroyed the loom and became an even better one. He can now regulate the different timelines at the end of time as the world tree. In Norse mythology, the world tree held the nine realms together, and now in the MCU, it's holding the multiverse together. Thor told Jane this in the first movie. My father explained it to me like this, that your world is one of the nine realms of the cosmos, linked to each other by the branches of Yggdrasil, the world's tree. Now you see it every day without realizing and it's just so wonderful to make that tree Loki now. Also, if the branches are always expanding, they form like tree branches. Metaphors! This episode is honestly just full of metaphors for Loki, how he finally got his throne, how he's reached his glorious purpose, and his biggest fear of being alone is now his greatest accomplishment. He's lost time and time and time again. The first Avengers movie, Thor 2, Ragnarok, every time he had to try and stop the loom from exploding, but now he's finally won, but had to sacrifice himself. He is no longer a selfish god anymore. Then we jump a little later. Everyone's back to square one working. You can see the monitor on the new loom is the tree. Miss Minutes is seemingly back with no scary attitude. Obi doesn't only exist in the basement anymore. And Casey also seems to have a higher position, possibly in the war room. Good for him. Eugene Cordero, we're looking out for you. Oh, you go, Glenn Coco. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. We also learned that the TVA is now hunting down Kang variants. The latest one they have information on is Kang from Quantumania. The photo depicts the multiversal core engine. Also, who took these photos? Let's think about it. Mobius is then left with what I assume is his case file and where to find himself on the sacred timeline. We're taken outside the war room with the Kang paintings and Mobius tells B-15 he's leaving, which is sad as hell, but it's nice to know the new Renslayer seems to be B-15. We glimpse at B-15 entering the busy war room, sitting down next to Judge Gamble. A reminder, we don't see Docs here because she's dead. We move forward so all that happened right before the loom is still set in stone. We don't know where Brad is, but if Loki has become an unselfish god, I could see him returning him back to the sacred timeline as an actor. 
Obi opens a box of the new TVA handbooks with what I assume has no Victor Timely in it since his timeline was never interrupted. Loki stopped the timeline from being in a closed loop where he who remains can return. Renslayer wakes up in the grass of, you guessed it, the Prune Valley. What I finally learned is actually called the Void, but I like calling it the Prune Valley and I will keep it that way. We see a pyramid and pieces of the TVA. In the first season of Loki, we saw a lot of historical pieces like the Santa Maria and Red Skull spinning rockets. So a lot of wreckage makes its way to the Prune Valley. But using a pyramid and seeing as though he who remains really made his life mission to stop his variants, this might be a call out to his variant Ramatut. The broken signage of the TVA indicates that the TVA was destroyed or dissembled at one point in the multiverse and landed itself in the Prune Valley. We don't know if Renslayer actually dies. We can also confirm that's Eliath. We do know Eliath gleams a faint purple, though, and there's a sort of growl and the wind blows past her face like Richard E. Grant's did in Loki season one before he was eaten by Eliath in the Prune Valley. Mm, ultimately, though, I think this is her demise. I think she's probably dead. But what I do love and respect about Renslayer is she doesn't run or hide. She sits strong. Like, this is her glorious purpose. All that pain she put others through leads to this moment. It's more like karma, but still. There she goes. Mobius reached his original timeline. He watches himself playing with his sons and Sylvie joins him. It's such a beautiful shot and I hate this moment because it makes me sad. They both figure they can go and do whatever they want. So Sylvie exits to only God knows where. And as for Mobius... I might just wait here for a little bit. Let time pass. Our last view is Loki at the center of the branches, holding them together, always watching, with a slight smirk as we cut to the credits. And that's it for Splash Page on the finale episode of Loki Season 2. It's a beautiful finale that takes me back to WandaVision. Both were heartbreaking and felt like it could be a conclusion to Vision or Loki, but it lingered with some tinge of pain or despair and optimism. It was beautifully shot and written, and it looks like it cost a lot of money. The multiversal war is still happening. The Kangs are here. So is the TVA hunting them down. We can't expect to see much from Loki as he's busy being the god of stories, but we can't expect the TVA. Subscribe to The Ringerverse on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure to follow us on TikTok, Instagram, and X, formerly known as Twitter, at Ringerverse. And make sure to follow The Ringer on YouTube.com slash The Ringer. Thanks for watching and listening. We'll be back sometime in the future for all time owns. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.